I want you to have your seats. We want to look at First Thessalonians. Are you ready for First Thessalonians? First Thessalonians. Now, I've decided that I'm going to spend some time and we will be going through the Bible verse by verse. I mean, verse by verse. I'm not saying chapter by chapter. I mean, verse by verse. We pick the verse. We try to interpret the verse. Then we go to the next one. I was thinking of starting with Jude. But while we're praying, the Holy Spirit led me to First Thessalonians. So I decided that we will do First Thessalonians. Are you, are you there in First Thessalonians? Are you sure? Now, the book of First Thessalonians was written by Apostle Paul, which you are already aware of. It's one of Paul's books. Now, Paul visited uh, the people of Thessalon- Thessalonica. Okay? <laughs> Thessalonica. Somebody say Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Hey. Somebody say, hey. Yeah, so he visited Thessalonica in his second missionary journey, which is recorded in the book of Acts 17. When we go to Acts 17, we find out that Paul goes to this Gentile nation and he begins to preach to them. And so, Paul writes this book to encourage them because this particular church is going through or these these believers are going through certain forms of persecutions in their Christian journey. And Paul is writing them a letter to boost their faith so that they can continue to serve God and and continue in the faith. Hallelujah. Now, as we begin to pay close attention to the times that we are living in, you will come to realize that we are living in a time of intense persecution against the church. You may say these days the kind of persecution we are going through is not as dire and as serious as the kind of persecution that um, people of old went through. But I want you to understand that the persecution that we are going through in our times are as as serious as the people that we follow after. I'm talking about the people in the Bible. Are you with me? And you... Come to realize that some time ago, even in some parts of the world, Christians are killed. I follow what I'm saying. Christians are killed for their faith, and Christians are, 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 are tortured. You go to a place, certain places to, if you're a Christian or if you're that serious of a Christian, you are not given certain positions and certain kinds of jobs in your Christian work. Are you following what I'm saying? And there are some families that, the moment they find out that you have decided to become associated with this particular church or you have become a Christian, they denounce you and they say you are no, no more part of um, this family or because you have decided to what? To be a Christian. I follow what I'm saying. Now, in our generation today, you will find out that the kind of persecution that we have today is not the kind where people are being killed and hung and crucified but this time around, it is the persecution of um, words. The persecution of words. Somebody say the persecution of words. 
you will find out that the rates at which Christians are being persecuted all over the world is becoming so rampant. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you with me here? That everywhere you go, you look at this. If a church builds a church building, they say, you are wasting money. You should be building schools. You should be building hospitals. You should be doing, providing jobs for your poor members. That's what they say. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, if the church builds schools, they say, eh, you are wasting church money. The money should have been used for taking care of the poor. And there are people in prison. They are struggling. Instead of you to go and pay a visit to the people in the prison, now if the church builds prison, they say you are misappropriating the money of poor people rather than feeding the poor. I follow what I'm saying. You will find out that there is a mass number of people everywhere you go, even in church, that are saying that all pastors are thieves, all Christians are hypocrites, and every now and then they say, oh, you know, there are churches everywhere. I follow what I'm saying. Now, we're going to, first of all, I was considering Jude or Philemon. Now, if you study the book of Philemon, you find out that when Paul was writing the book to Philemon, he was talking to him that his church is in his house. I mean, some time ago, they had churches in houses. I follow you. So, you should consider how many churches they will have. I mean to say that they were not just building buildings. They had churches in houses. It means that home sales were churches. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so they are saying, oh, there are so many churches. It's not true. There are not so many churches. There are so many unsaved people that the gospel must reach them. But everything the church does, they will complain against it. And that's the kind of criticism we are going through. It is a psychological kind of criticism. That now Satan is fueling people to speak against the church. I follow what I'm saying. I listen to what I'm saying. They are telling us that, you know, they are lazy people. They are wasting their time every day. And they are going to church to go and listen to fools. Talk to them. And I'm telling you that. This is not the first time the church is experiencing a certain sense of mass criticism. Are you following what I'm saying? Only that in our days, because of human rights and other things, they can't just catch us and hang us. So now what they do is that the devil now has decided de- devised a new strategy of, of attacking Christians by using psychological means, which is the worst of mouth. Everywhere you go through social media or radio, you just switch on one radio, they are complaining about one pastor, one pastor has done this. As if Satan has contracted people to just focus on the bad side of people. And it's not even our fault anyway, because our, we are living in a generation where if you listen to the news, every time 90% of our news is about somebody has raped somebody, somebody has died, um, there's a problem with the government, there's a problem with the government, there's a problem with the government. So our generation has become so polluted that people are only looking for the bad side of things. So if you listen to news, you will find out that the things they are propagating in the news is bad news. They won't tell you, oh, you know, they've done this, these people have done this good thing. They won't tell you those because those kinds of news don't sell. That's why I stopped listening to news a long time ago. Are you following what I'm saying? And not to talk of the church. Do you understand? I remember some time ago, I wrote something on social media. I said, they hate God, they won't like you. I said, the world hates God, they won't like you. As a matter of fact, these the people have been writing books against God. I mean, 
Our generation has become so wise that they are rather foolish. I mean, in their wisdom, they are found to be fools. So, listen, people of God. They won't hate your God and like you. Christopher, do you think people who hate God will like you? No matter what good you do, they will hate you. I mean it. You know that if I had not gone to school, there was, the people have said, would have said that, you know, this lazy pastor, he failed in the examination. And, you know, do you understand the, the idea? But I went to school and now they would just say, oh, they are doing business. Do you understand? Uh-huh. If I had not gone to school, they would have said, I went to school, I had first class and I'm back to school again. They say, oh, they're doing business. You get the idea? Are you following what I'm saying? I mean to say that everything we do as believers, we will find people to criticize it. I you know the interesting thing. The people that criticize are not Christians. Let me tell you a short story before I continue, before we begin with Thessalonians. So today, I don't know when we will close. It's now 712. Hey, are you here? I mean, everything that we do, they what? They will criticize. They will find fault. I remember when I was in college. First, I go to college. Eh? All the pastors that come here, they are not serious. And it, so one guy cried. He was always praying on the park. And he failed and they sacked him. You'll be there and be doing, hey, ba, ba, ba. And go and study and be a fool. Then after first, first semester, bang, bang. First class. They're like, hey, this one there. We haven't seen some. We haven't seen some. You understand the deal? As time began to go on, my impact was, what? Now you know what they were saying. He only talks to fine girls. He doesn't talk to ugly girls. I mean it. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm serious. When I was in school, that was what they were saying. They said, I, all my friends and all my daughters are fine girls. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And one of personally, one of the main reasons why I personally realize why people hate Christians with passion is because they are not getting the results the Bible promised. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you listening to what I'm saying? They are not getting the results the Bible promised because when the Bible makes a promise, it has requirements. Now, they don't want to keep the requirements. They want to get the biblical results. Now, when they don't get a biblical resource, they now attack Christians. Do you understand what I mean? Do you understand the idea? Exactly. Again, the Bible exposes their sin. The Bible exposes them that they are sinners. And they don't want to be exposed that they are sinners and that they need God. So, they rather turn their back and attack Christians that we are rather sinners. We are rather hypocrites. We are rather unbelievers. We are rather wasting our time. We are rather lazy people. Do you understand? Do you understand what I mean? Yes. And as soon as you say anything, anytime somebody is talking about any form of injustice, he will quickly go, ah, every time people talk about any form of injustice, they will conclude and say, eh, so what is the person trying to say? When you hear people say these kind of things, know that they are not serious Christians. Do you insult your body? Have you ever stood in a mirror and looked at yourself and said, you understand what I mean? Do you get what I mean? When people begin to criticize and fight Christianity, it's a sign that they are not in it. 
Do you understand? It's a sign they are not in it. True Christians don't find faults with God's sheep. But right from the time of Constantine, how many of you know Constantine? Now, Constantine was a Roman emperor who um, legalized Christianity and made it a formal religion in the world. And because of Constantine, now, the, the Roman Empire was converted to Christianity, but this right, wasn't the normal biblical Christianity, but it was more like just a, a, a political system. Okay? So, at that time, Christian unbelievers were rather um, persecuted. I follow what I'm saying. So, it compelled unbelievers to pretend as Christians. Because if you are not a Christian, you won't get a position. Do you understand what I mean? So people now started converting into Christianity, not in the former way, but just by being in church. So after a while, people were just born into the church that they were not Christians, but they were in the church. And that's how we have gotten the Christianity we have today. So we have people that are born in church, but they are not born again. I follow what I'm saying. There are people that are born in church, but they are not Christ's sheep. They are not with the church. And they are the ones that go out there, they misbehave, then they try to make it look like we are all the same people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance, when people are failing forms like this, you see, they ask you religion. You will see somebody who doesn't go to church, he write Christianity. Why doesn't he write nothing? You, you get the idea? He writes what? Christianity. But the, person has, the last time the person went to church is 10 years ago. But you feel a form and write Christianity. Why? Because it happened, it began thousands of years ago. I follow me. So, the whole idea of First Thessalonians is that Paul is writing a letter to the believers that are in Thessalonica and he's telling them to be strong in their faith and to withstand various threats of persecution. And again, in that letter we find out that Paul sends his son Timothy to go and encourage them and pray with them and help them to be stabilized in their faith. So let's begin. Colossians chapter, chapter what? Chapter 1. Hey, did I say Colossians? Thessalonians. Chapter 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus. So, we, 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 we usually, when Paul is writing a letter, most, the reason why a lot of people don't um, agree that Paul wrote the book, of Roma, um, the book of Hebrews is because Hebrews doesn't begin by those kinds of formal salutations. All, all of Paul's letters begin by saying, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, or Paul and this person, Paul and Timothy, or Paul on this. Uh-huh. So sometimes eh, 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 it's, it's very expedient that when you are um, looking at these, these various letters, you try to pay attention to the, the people that Paul is writing and telling that I am with these people. So in this part of the book, He's telling us that he is writing the book and Silvanus is there and Timotheus is what? The, the Timotheus there is Timothy himself. Are you following me? So it is also possible to know that it could be that Timothy also penned down some portions of the book or Silvanus penned down some portions of the book. Now, in, um, while we are doing this particular um, study, we are doing a study on the book of Second Thessalonians. While we are doing on, uh, this study, I will be teaching you some biblical uh, um, principles or uh, hermeneutics, how to interpret um, the Bible as you begin to read, how you can be able to make meaning from the Bible. So you'll find out that I will be telling you things like that. 
So he says Paul and Silvanus and who? And Timothy. So which people are, are writing the letter and which people are sending the letter? Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. Now he goes on and says what? Unto. So it means that who are the audience in this book? Unto which, or to, unto which people? Unto the church of the what? The Thessalonians, which is in God, the Father, and in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stop there. So the audience of the book of First Thessalonians is the church, which, which church? The church in where? Thessalonians, or the church of Thessalonians, or the believers that are in Thessalonica. Are you with me? And he's telling them, by mentioning the church, he's telling them that the church in Thessalonians, which is hidden in God. That's the lesson we are learning there. He's telling us that this church, and it's also a general principle in a way, by letting us understand that God's church is hidden in where? In God. I follow what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. Is that which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the one who gave birth to the church. And it was the Father's plan to, to see to the birthing of the church. And the instrument that Jesus used to birth the church is the Holy Ghost. We see that in Acts chapter 2. We see it in Acts chapter 4. We see it over and over again in the book of Acts how that Anywhere God's church began, the Holy Spirit was the one who was enforcing the building of his church. Are you with me? Again, we see that um, in, the book of, um, in the book of Matthew, where Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say I am? And Peter said, you are the son of God. And Jesus says to him that flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but by my father who is in heaven. So he was trying to let him understand that uh, um, and, and then he went on to tell him that upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The rock that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. I know many people say, oh, um, upon um, um, revelation and other things, but um, you see that he first of all talks about who do men say I am. Again, he asked them and the answer he said, my father gave it to you and the means he gave it to you was through the Holy Spirit. And we know that through our scripture that how God reveals to us is through the Holy Spirit. So, in that instance, he's talking about the Trinity. We see exactly what is happening. And Paul is saying that the church, which is in God, the Father, and in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Then he goes on to say in the, verse, the, the, the same verse again. He says, grace be unto you. And peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is a popular Pauline greeting. We see it in many parts of Paul's letters where he's telling them that grace be unto you. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 1, verse 3. He says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. We see it throughout most of Paul's letters. Sometimes he, he says it at the beginning. Sometimes at the end he will tell them that grace be unto you. Are you with me? So this is a general um, um, kind of salutation that in the New Testament we, we do. But in the Hebrew, they rather use um, shalom which means peace. Are you with me? So if you even look at this very well, realize that he's talking about um, grace be unto you. And I don't know the, 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 the Hebrew and the Greek there or the Latin, but I know that grace is gracia. And, and he, uh, so he's combining two different things. He's talking about the grace that makes the New Testament what it is. And then because they are also, he, Paul, is half Jew and he's a Jew anyway who has nationalized as a Roman citizen, he's also telling them two things, and he's saying, grace be unto you, 
and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a Pauline greeting. Somebody says a Pauline greeting. Amen. So you'll find it more and more of the times in more, I think all of Paul's letters you find out. And we're also going to notice very, something very interesting as we begin to go. He says that we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Now, Paul says this in the book of Ephesians. He says this in the book of Colossians. He says this in the book of um, um, Thessalonians, um, in the book of um, Ephesians. Did I say Ephesians? Yeah, he says it in the book of Philemon as well. And it seems to me that Paul, every time when he's writing a letter to people, he tells them that, you know what, I'm praying for you. And this is a very important thing for us to note that believers must pray for believers. I listen to what I'm saying. So he says that, I give thanks for you. So I should be able to say, Lord, I should be able to keep it behind my my head that I should be able to give God thanks for the life of um, Christopher. That, Lord, I thank you for the life of Christopher that these days he's serving God so much and he's doing well in the Christendom. I bless God for his life. And again, Paul is saying that ceasing not to make mention of you in my prayers. Are you with me? We can see this in the book of um, Ephesians Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 is there. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you my prayers. Verse 16 is there. And again, we see it in the book of Colossians. Give me a minute. Oh, have I passed it? Yes. Yes, verse 3, Colossians 1, 3. We give thanks to God and our Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you. Again, he went on and says, since we heard of your faith in Christ. So he usually talks about we heard of your faith, we heard of your goodness, we heard of your goodwill, we heard of your, the things that you are doing spoken all over. We cease not to mention, make mention of you in our prayer. So here he's saying that I do not stop making mention of you in my prayer. We are learning something that believers must not stop living a life of intercession. Without intercession, we don't have Christianity. As a matter of fact, Christ is seated in heaven making intercession for us. And I told you the intercession he's making is not mentioning our names and praying. His presence there is the intercession. I follow what I'm saying. His presence there is the intercession. Usually you hear people say, oh, no. Sometimes when the father gets angry, he says, I'm going to wipe them. Sin is covering the earth. That's a joke. I'm going down there. Hey, there's too much time. Go down there. Then Jesus will get up and say, hey, you didn't go down there. Check my hands. Check my hands. No, no, no. Ah, God, God is not irrational like that. Not at all. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. It is rather Christ's presence in heaven that serves as the intercession. His presence in heaven seals our, our salvation. And his blood makes atonement for our sins. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Do you see his work talking about their work of faith? Their work of faith, you talk about a number of things. And over here, you, I'll teach you something very soon. Remembering without ceasing. Without ceasing means we don't stop remembering you and what you do. And it's mentioned what they are doing, okay? He said your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Now, you notice that I told you that the background of the whole book is that Paul is telling the people that, you know what, the whole book is they are going through persecution and, and, God, and Paul is writing to them to strengthen them in their faith. And Paul is telling them that, you know what, I, when, 
I've observed your, your work of faith. You, he's saying faith is work. That you guys are like full-time employers of faith. Like the way you teachers and nurses and doctors and, and whatever, you get up and you go to work, seamstress and tailors. He's saying that faith is a work. He said, your work of faith, your labor of love means that love must be labored. Have you ever been offended by people that you love so much and you feel like retaliating? Are you with me? Oh, we all get it. There are sometimes you feel like, let me also throw some blows. Do you understand? Then you, I don't, you don't even know how you're able to forgive. It's called labor. It's work. Are you following what I'm saying? Because we too have feelings and we too have, we can get angry. Sometimes you feel like, let me also slap somebody. Do you get it? And, but finally you realize that you come to a point where you have to forgive them. And it's, it's work. It's a labor. So he said, your labor of love and patience of hope. Patience. That you guys are patient in your work with God. You guys are patient in this hope. You know, hope talks about something that is not yet evident with us. We hope for things that we have not yet seen. I follow what I'm saying. Let's say you are sick. And you are hoping for healing. It means that you are not yet healed. But you believe that you are going to get your healing. Are you with me? Like you are here, you are not yet married. You are hoping that, you know, may God open doors for me. It's a, it's a patience of hope. And it is a good thing for us to hope. Hope is a proof of faith. Are you listening to what I'm saying? When we have hope, it's a sign of faith that we believe that one day um, God is going to do something good in our lives. It's a good thing for us to hope. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So we are in verse 3, right? Hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, other versions say knowing our beloved. Or other versions also say knowing, beloved of God. Okay? So in the verse 4, he's saying knowing, comma, those who are loved of God, your election. Those who are loved of God, your election. He's saying that you have been loved by God and because of God's love, he has elected you. Romans 5 verse 8 talks about the fact that for God, let's go to, okay, since you have your phones or something, let me read Romans 5 8. Then I'll read another scripture for you. Romans 5 8, he says, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see that? So Paul is telling us that Christ died for us before we even knew he died for us. Do you understand? Before you heard of Christ, God had already loved you. And the Bible teaches that God says that I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy now. I will, I will choose not to have mercy on who I don't, I, don't give, I don't care about. And so, we find out that Paul is telling us that, and this same thing, he talks about it in Colossians, he talks about it in, in, um, in, in um, um, Ephesians. But in the book of Romans chapter 8, we find out in, in Romans 8 verse, verse 29, he said, for whom God did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The foreknow there does not mean that God knew them before time or knew them ahead of time. The word no, foreknow there is... Um, for whom God had a relationship with. Okay? I follow what I'm saying. Because you remember when you came for the doctrine of God, I was teaching you that 
God does not see the future because everything is at a standstill. So when the Bible talks about full knowledge of God, he may sometimes be talking about um, the ability that God knows the past, the future from the present, but you know that he already knows everything at a standstill. But here, Paul is telling us something very interesting, and he says that, um, for whom he did for no, he also predestinated. To be predestinated means that your destiny has been decided before the beginning. Okay? Or your destiny has been decided before you were born. So, you were predestinated. Destiny is the f- means future. When we talk about destiny, we are talking about future. It means your future was determined before you were born. Like he told that Jeremiah, while you were in your mother, before you were in your mother's womb, I already called you. Before you were formed as a cloth of blood, I ordained you as a prophet. The guy, ah. You are tell, I'm just walking around, you are telling me you ordained a clot of blood. Yes, that, was, that is affirming the doctrine of what? Predestination. And Paul is saying that you have been elected. When we talk about election, we see there, and the whole Romans chapter 8, verse 29, verse 30, all the way down talks about the doctrine of election. It says that to be conformed to the image of his sign means that we were chosen before the foundation of the earth before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve, okay? We who have come to Christ were chosen before the foundation of the earth to be ordained to conform to the image of Christ. And that is why we must understand that we didn't give our life to Christ. Christ gave our life to us. He gave his life to us. Sometimes before I gave my life to Christ, okay, usually we say it that way, but when we look at the thing technically, we realize that you can't give your life to God. It's God who gives you his life. You, you don't even have life to give to God. You have we receive his life. I follow what I'm saying. We receive the life of God. Actually, all of us are dead without God. We are, I told you that. Without God, I said, if God doesn't help you, you are finished. So we don't give our life to Christ. Christ gives his life to us. We receive it by faith. And Paul even tells us that God has given us a measure of faith. That faith that we even receive by is a gift from God. Because you see that scripture doctor talks about the fact that for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Eh. No, he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The next verse talks about the fact for it is God who works in you both to do and to, to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's saying that work out your own salvation. They say, Charlie, you can't even work it out. It is God who works in you both to do and to. It was God who worked in you to accept Christ. Are you following me? And Paul is talking about the fact that he's saying, brethren, you, the church at Thessalonica, you have been elected before the foundation of the earth. Because you are the beloved of God. And he said, because you were elected, something happened. Let's look at what happened. For. For means, for tells, for exists so that we can know um, it, it's like because, okay, or sometimes the for is used as therefore, okay. He's saying that you are beloved or beloved of God. You are being elected. And that is why, so let's put that is why in our head, okay. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. I told you that from the beginning. I told you that how the church is built is what? The church is built by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Now the church comes alive by the Holy Spirit. So a church that does not have the Holy Spirit is not a church. It's a cult. We did not come in word only because there are people that go to preach to people in philosophy. By philosophy, I'm just talking about they are just teaching them 99 ways to be prosperous. And then when they are done teaching 99 ways to be prosperous, they say, if you are here, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come. Then people will jump out and come and say, Lord Jesus, accept you. That is not the gospel. 
Are you following what I'm saying? A man is not saved until he has believed in the gospel. When is a man saved? When he has believed the gospel. The gospel is you are a sinner. The gospel is Christ came to die. So that when you believe in him, you will not die. Okay? Christ came to die as a substitutionary sacrifice, as an atonement for our sins. He died in my place. So that I, by believing in him, will have life. Until you understand this thing, you are not born again. You are not saved. You can be in church, but you are not saved. I listen to what I'm saying. So you can hear a preacher come and teach you wisdom. I teach wisdom, don't I? I teach honor, don't I? I can teach honor and finish and finish. You know what? If you are here, you want to accept Christ. That's why if you have studied doing young and useful or any conference, if I'm to raise, ask people to come and give their lives to Christ, I preach again. I preach, the, I summarize the gospel very fast. I tell them if you don't accept Christ, you go to hell. Because God's wrath is against all of humanity because all of us are sinners. He said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Are you with me? He said, there's none righteous. No, not one. And James says, if you were able to keep all the law, and at one point you are, you are defaulted in one, you are guilty of all of them. And the Bible says, the soul that sins will die. So all of us are doomed for hell without Christ. And this is why God sent his son to come and die in our place. Not that after he dies, automatically we are saved. So that when we believe in, in the gospel, we receive the life of God. So that we are pardoned on the account of Christ. So that the, the righteousness of Christ is imputed on us. And our sins were imputed on Christ. And this takes place the moment a person believes the gospel. My sin is given to Christ. His righteousness is given to me. And at that moment, God says that he is not guilty. He is now my son. I follow what I'm saying. So in the book of John chapter 1, he says that, it, verse 11, he says, He came to his own people. They believed, they received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God, even to them who believed in his name. The power that is given is given you know that that portion of John's gospel is at the beginning, but John was writing after Christ has died, cried, and risen, and all of that. So he was writing it back, and he was just summarizing the whole thing, and he says that all who believed it were given power to become the sons of God. And the power to become the sons of God is in the gospel. Are you with me? It's in the gospel. The gospel has power in the sense that it is able to change a sinner who was an alcoholic, who was a drunkard, who was masturbating, who was watching pornography, the power is able to change it instantly. That he begins to cry. That he repents of his sin. You see a rebel who is God, goes like somebody like Apostle Paul, who wrote this book, was, was chasing people and persecuting suddenly. That's the power Paul is talking about here. He said, but also in power. And again, the same power is the power that raises the dead back to life is the same power that heals the sick. So, the power of the gospel is in twofold. The one that changes the sinner and the one that proves that Christ rose from the dead. Listen, miracles, signs, and wonders in the kingdom or in Christianity proves that Christ rose from the dead. So, when cessationists tell us that, when, I, when, when, when we talk about cessationists, cessationists are people who say that the gifts of God are no more, miracles are no more, there is nothing like tongues again because we now have the Bible and now it's a lie. Now, miracles, signs, and wonders, the gifts of the Spirit, they prove that Christ rose from the dead. Are you with me? And so that is what Paul is talking about here. He's saying that. For our gospel came out unto you in word only. It means that word came. You know how some preachers say, oh, I didn't come here with word. I came with power. But he's talking. Are you with me? Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't come here to talk about me, words of men or words. I came with power. But the person is talking. So Paul is saying, I didn't come with word only. 
Like cessationists. When cessationists are talking, they are just lecturers. Nothing. How can you promise people Christianity when they can't be healed of any disease? They tell them, oh, God doesn't heal today. You are lecturers. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying that there are some people that may come in word only. And these people are those, they go to the Bible school and the Bible school removes some Bible school remove all their charismatic gifts out of them and leaves them dry and they can't stand the puppet and they make you sleep. They make you sleep. <laughs> no power. And Paul said, I know scriptures. Are you with me? I know word and I have power. In the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And that's what I've just talked about. What manner of men were men of word and men of power. And that's what our generation needs. We are cut between orthodox. When I say orthodox, I'm talking about um, evangelicals instead. Evangelicals are the ones who don't believe in tongues and all these things. And we are cut between evangelicals and, let's say, charismatics or Pentecostals. Now, the balance between them is what Paul is talking about. He said, we came with word, and we came with what? We came with power, and you knew that we were good men. You knew our manner of life. I follow what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. And that's the kind of church we want to build, people of God, that you will have the word of God with you, and you have power. Sometimes when people come and they meet me and I'm teaching, they think I can't prophesy, or they think, I, they, they think I'm as dry as, as something. Have you seen that? Are you with me? And that's what Paul is talking about here. You, we must carry word. We must know the scriptures. We must have knowledge. And we must have power. And the balance between it is that we must come to a point where our, our, our knowledge does not make us puffed up. And our word does not make us proud. We are still able to live a simple life. Yesterday I was with one of my good friends, Reverend Amos. I went to preach for Pastor Prince in Shatre. And when Reverend Amos, he came... As for a surprise, then when he came to the place that I went to preach, he said when he got there, he was shocked. And me there, when I got there, I wasn't shocked. <laughs> anyway, but he was shocked because he, 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 and he took me home, he drove me home, and he was telling me, you know what, when I came there, I, I was like, which kind of man is this, this man of God? And he said, man of God, you know what? And Reverend Emo is somebody that I've known since my ACHS days. And he said, you know what? I think that most of the people, the, the, the preachers and the people who call you brothers around you do not know who you are. Because if they knew the kind of person that you are, they would have taken you as a cause to study for a long time. And, and, and he started telling me a lot, a lot of things. And, and most of the times when people are around me, it's easy for them to take me for granted because the kind of Christian, I told you that if Jesus were to be in our midst, a lot of people wouldn't believe in him. I listen what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. Yes. Because Jesus, me, I told you that me, I just want to be like Jesus. That is why you find out that I try to live a very simple life. And people think that I'm trying to. No, that's how Jesus lived. Are you with me? When we begin to understand the word of God and we have the power, we will come to a point where there is no place we can't go and preach. And when there, their sound was some way like, oh, and the people were just like, ah. And. When he saw he was like, wow, somebody like AFM has been able to come to a place like this. And when I come, I jump out of the, the throttle and I walk. I was walking and I met one church. I said, are you also going there? I said, yeah, let's go. 
And I, I, I walked, went and stood, so I went and sat myself. So, I mean, but there are some guys, if they get to that level that I have gotten to, they wouldn't have preached in certain places. And that's what Paul said. You know our manner of life. You know the kind of life that we live. Let me tell you, in case you don't know, Paul was from a rich family. As a matter of fact, he went to the best of schools. He had more advantage than some of us have had. And this person was able to throw all of that away to pursue better things. I hear. I follow what I'm saying. And that is why in every mentorship process, you must follow a man that understands word and understands power and knows the balance between the two. When we lean so much on word, 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 we become sometimes a little bit dry. When we lean so much on power, 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 we also become dry because you find out that this prophet can prophesy well and heal the sick, but he says just useless and stupid things. He doesn't have ethics, a whole lot of credit because word, you know, on your thing, on and some people become so wet, wet, wet that they throw all the power dimension of Christianity away. They throw it out the window. They tell you, you know what? I don't need to pray, but things will happen. You get that thing? You don't need to fast again. Then they are the ones who go to a point and tell you that, you know, fasting, tight and offering is not important again. Because now we are right, the righteousness of God in Christ. We are the children of God. If God wants to give us something, he will give to us. That's one of the most stupid things I've ever heard. Because the Bible even instructs us to pray. If God wants to give us things, why doesn't he just get up and throw it on us? But he tells us to pray for them. Don't you think so? Yes. Because the kingdom has various principles that work. I follow what I'm saying. Hey, we are just in verse 5 and our time is fast spent. <laughs> That's how it goes home. I follow what I'm saying. Yeah. Verse 6. But before we go to verse 6, sometimes we have to go back to the next verse so that we can, we can have it. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And he's adding, okay? And ye became followers of us. You see that I began to talk about myself and I told you that you need to get some kind of people to follow. And Paul is talking about you know the kind of people we are and you people saw us and you became our followers. And while you were our followers, he says, and of our Lord and of the Lord and of the Lord. Okay, I like to put Jesus Christ in it anyway there. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now let's take it. This is about three scriptures, so we can label it A, B, C. Because there are three different things he's talking about there. The first one is, you became followers of us and Christ. The second one is, um, you received the word in affliction. Okay? And the third one is, with joy of the Holy Spirit. So let's start. And you became, so he's saying that we came with you with word and power. Are you with me? And we're still humble people. We're nice people to you and all of that. And you became followers of us. So if you became followers of us, how should you live your life? If your father, if your pastor is buying books every month, reading 100 books a year, what should you be doing? Why are you buying all kinds of shoes? This, my trousers, is, is about five years old. I mean it. I told you about it, right? I think I bought it in 20, 2014 or something. These trousers. <laughs> it's the same trousers some time ago I told you about it. This is it. Huh? I'm not saying my trousers is rocketed. It's not rocketed. You see that it's still, you see the blade is still there. It's as new as new. I mean, 
Some of you are wasting resources on things that don't really matter that much. I'm buying books. Just last week I ordered for books. I ordered for 19 books. How many books? 19 books. Of one particular author, Witness Lee. Eh? I'm reading, I'm biting, I'm reading, I'm biting. Why are you not doing the same thing? Because I told you that he that has will always have. And I told you that if you want to be able to have what he that has has, you must do what he that has is doing. You want to get my results, do what I'm doing. Do what I'm doing. Are you with me? I follow what I'm saying. And Paul is telling them that Paul is telling that, that when you saw the things we were doing, you followed. You followed. You didn't stop there. Because there are people that they see the good things that we are doing and they stop there. Personally, me, if I meet, uh, if I meet somebody that I realize that this person, God is connecting me to the person for a mentorship process, I don't see why I should follow. I don't see why I should leave them. I said, matter of fact, all the people that I, 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 I saw, their, I'm saying that good works. So I saw their good works. I followed them. I'm still following them. The ones I saw that they were not serious, I left them. Are you listening to what I'm saying? There was a time I was seeking mentorship from a young a prophet, but I realized he was very materialistic, flashing his iPhone everywhere and flashing his, his small, lavish life. I said, you can't be my mentor. Oh, no, you can't be my mentor. Every day you are standing before a mirror, you are taking pictures with you. Are you a girl? I know when preachers are doing that, I, I think they are just jokers. Oh. I don't blame them because their mentors are like that. You are taking pictures with iPhones, with your two cars. Do you want those kind of mentors? Because if you have spiritual fathers that are materialistic, you are going to be materialistic. Observe young ministers in our region and in Ghana. Those that are materialistic, their fathers are materialistic because the people they follow are materialistic. And I'm telling you that I'm a word man. I'm a power man. I am a faith man. I don't know what I believe when I haven't had it. I mean it. When I was in SHS, I told, no, college, I told some people I have never prayed and not had an answer before. When I finished, the Pentecost people went, some of them went and stood some play and said, he's lying. Is there anyone that has ever prayed and never had an answer before? That's what they said. Me, when I pray, I see an answer. I mean it. I am not lying. I mean, when I pray, I get an answer. <laughs> I listen to what I'm saying. I listen to what I'm saying. I mean to say that you must be ye, you must be followers of me. Paul is saying, when you saw that, that you saw the things that we are doing, you did what? You followed us and you followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, he went on. I don't want to delay on too much of the followership. He went on and said, I'm writing a book, mentorship. No, I've forgotten the title anyway. Let's go. Mentorship, servantship, and honor. I'm almost done with it. It's there, but I may release it very soon. Today, when I was coming, it occurred to me. I was posting some things on my status. I was posting them from the book. Now, he's saying that um, the B, do you see the B there? Having received the word in much affliction, he's saying that we preached to you guys who were struggling, you were being persecuted, but still you received the word. Listen, you don't have to receive God's word in times where everything is good for you. 
I've seen people in this church that they only come to church when they are getting some nice, nice breakthroughs and when things are going well for them. As soon as they begin to face certain storms, they stop coming to church. But Paul is telling them that you receive the word in much affliction. Listen, you can be, I'm not saying in our church, no one is permitted to be sick. But there can be some times that you may be sick and we are preaching about healing, you will still receive it. I see what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. Like we can be preaching about prosperity, that you know God prospers people. And Charlie, you know that even that day, you have to borrow some money to come. Don't say that in short and say, look at these preachers and their lies. They are just saying that so that they can take our money. And all of, no, don't do that. Are you following what I'm saying? I listen to what I'm saying. And Sally, Paul is saying that, what did you do? You received the word in much affliction. Then he says, the sea says, with joy of the Holy Ghost. It means you were happy that we were going through afflictions and you still received the word. Listen, the greatest asset we have on earth is the word of God. The only heavy little we have on earth is the word of God. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's what JV said. I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of God. Because that's where the word of God is found. You don't get the word of God in the bank. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And he's saying that when they were receiving the word of God, they were, they were what? They were happy. Some of them were sick. Some of them were being persecuted. But still they said, I esteem the word of God. Better things than other things. And that is why you can, you can be a Christian and find out that you are jobless. Finances, you are down. But listen, if you have the word, if you have the word of God, Jesus said, he said, scriptures cannot be broken. The Bible says, the word of God abides forever. Do you understand what I mean? He said, forever, Lord, your word is settled in heaven. I esteem the word of God better than anything. That's why I have told myself that I'm going on a full-time Bible study. I mean, me, most of the things I've studied in scripture, you see that, even this commentary we are doing right now, it wasn't a planned one. I planned on teaching um, and Jude. But I've, I've prepared this commentary. I mean, I've prepared this commentary and it's there. I mean, me, I've, I've had delight in the word of God. That even when I don't have money, even when I'm sick, I have found delight in the word of God. I listen to sermons every day, at least two hours a day. I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading books. I'm, I'm, I, I, I have scriptures around me. Because I cannot let affliction, I cannot let my pains, I cannot let disappointments make me throw God's word away. And that is what a lot of believers do during times that we expect that God should do something for us. And find out that Charlie, we are not getting the thing that God should do for us. What do we do? A lot of people throw God out the window. And listen, that is the time you should place more value on God's word. Because David said, your word gives me comfort. And I want you to understand that God's word has the ability of giving us comfort in difficult times of our lives. When you are sick, study scriptures. When you are heartbroken, study scriptures. When you are about to give up, study scriptures. When you are about to commit suicide, open scriptures. I'm almost, I'm, I have never needed motivation from anyone. I have never needed encouragement. For, uh, as, I mean, I don't need anyone's encouragement. Never need anybody's encouragement. I listen to what I'm saying. I follow what I'm saying. When we went to buy the land, you know where our, our church building is? It's as far as far. It's as far as where? I mean, the land is as far as far. One time we're going, somebody said, Hey, the place is so far. Hey. I said, who will come? I said, and so what? 
I mean, I am, listen, me, I am highly motivated. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because I have seen myself sitting in Ghana. People have sought after me from Nigeria. People have sought after me after China, from China. You, see, you think people can't sit after me when I, I go there? Me. What God has said is final. If God says Micah, I, when God said Micah, even if you don't want to be rich, it is too late. I didn't doubt it. Listen, I started calling myself the rich young man of God when I didn't have much. I didn't have anything. I listen to what I'm saying. When I was taking salary one month, one, every month, I was taking 90 cities a month. I was calling myself the rich young man of God. <laughs> yeah? By the time the salary comes, it's finished. I mean, it is finished. And the finishment, I finished it on books. At that time, I was called myself the rich man, young man of God. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean to say that we don't have to throw God's word out of our lives because we are facing affliction. And that is why we have to, we have to give a hand clap. Let's clap for the church of Thessalonica. Yeah. They didn't give up on God's word in the face of affliction. In fact, he says, they had joy in the Holy Ghost. When it was time for church, for them to join, come to church, they were happy. Are you with me? They were persecuting them, but they were happy. They would go, ah, me, there was a time when I go to church, I'll go back home and my parents are angry at me. But I was happy. I was happy that I was serving God and someone was finding fault with it. Listen, you must find joy when people find fault with your service to God. When you are being criticized for serving God, you must find joy in it. Listen, if you are not being criticized for serving God, you are not actually serving God. Are you listening to me? Where, which verse are we? We join the Holy Ghost so that you see, the so that is, is telling us what then happened, okay? So that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now let's go to the next verse, verse 8. From you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to God word. The word to God word is your faith towards God. Is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Let's stop there. He said, You guys are exceptional that in the face of persecution, you are still giving. Like in our day where they are telling our pastors are stealing our money, you are foolish people to go and be working in the face of persecution. God's work is being done. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? They are telling her, you have been praying and praying and praying. You are not getting, what has, you, has happened? You have been to jail for 50 years. Have you said, uh, uh, do you have a car? What is a car? Do you think we will drive cars in heaven? Jesus said, what shall a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He said, what shall a man give in exchange for, can you give your car for, for, for your soul? And this church, and Paul is saying, you became examples. Like in James says what? Examples. Now, the use of that examples there is more like, um, uh, what should I say? Um, 
monuments, okay? Like statues, like the way we see the moon, the sun. He's saying that you became examples, mighty examples in where? In all that believe. Now, there were believers in Macedonia, there were believers in Achaia. It's just like Kotokrum and Yahima and Chara. Are you with me? And he's saying that the believers in Macedonia, when they saw you, they said, Chai, I'm charged up to serve God. I can tell you that not less than 10 people have started churches because I started church. I mean, not less than 10. I mean it. Not less than 10. And Paul is saying that, Paul is saying that, when the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, the head of your faith, they were charged up. Their faith came alive. And they said, what? Come watch me. What shall celebrate us from the love of God? I will not give up in my service to God. I will not give up in my prayer life. I will not give up in the face of persecution. And he said, from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Do you know sounded like blowing a trumpet? He says, your faith in God, the joy you had in God, your relationship with God, it blew a trumpet that not only the people in Macedonia and not only the people in Achaia, but also in every place, your faith towards God is spread abroad. Your faith has become like a wildfire burning everywhere, burning everywhere, burning everywhere, burning everywhere. Burning, and that is what our church will be. That's what our ministry will be. Are you listening to what I'm saying? We are not plenty, but if I tell you the, the testimonies we get, if I tell you the people that are being blessed, just last week I found I was sent a message from Port Bean team. They said we have had 5,000 downloads. Listen, 5,000 downloads is not the same as 5,000 views on Facebook. They are not the same. Usually, Facebook views, if a person just sees it, I mean, just sees the thing, they will, it will add up to one view. And then when you boost it, usually what Facebook does is that they triple the view. So if one person views, Facebook will triple it to like 1,000 views just by one person's view. Are you following me? But with put me, I mean downloads. I mean 5,000 downloads. So divided by, when I divided, I was like, ah. So you mean every 100 people downloaded how many? 50 or, I don't even know the calculation anyway. Hey, are you, I mean 5,000 downloads and now I'm, I was like, I mean 5,000 downloads. <laughs> and this evening when I was coming, I found out that they've upgraded me and they've made me a VIP. So if you go to the AFM podcast, you see that there's VIP attached to the, 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 the podcast, VIP. Are you following what I'm saying? Your faith is spoken about. When I want to preach for Pastor Prince, I finished his wife's church. I said, I've heard of what they say you are doing. I've heard of the AFM Center. He says, it's a cute, nice place. I mean, that's exactly what, what Paul is talking about. He said, your faith is, is spoken all abroad. I mean to say that there are people that I know AFMs that have found themselves in, in like Accra and they were working in town with, with an, an AFM t-shirt and somebody may say, ah, AFM, do you know him? He said, yeah. I know him. I went to his conference and I bought this. He said, wow, we have been following him all. Last time I went to a funeral in Kumasi, in Achea, and I didn't decide to climb, but because of the people, they said they are just going for excursion. I went with them. I was dressed like any person with my long sleeves and trousers. As soon as I got there, somebody said, ah, AFM. In fact, your post on Facebook, they are blessing us. I, 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 
you have inspired us to do ministry. That's what he's spoken here. That's why I said your life must fulfill scriptures. He said, your faith towards God has spread all around. It has spread. Everywhere. Sometimes I receive calls as far as the north, as far as the west, as far as, as far. And people are saying, man of God, your message. If you go to, if you go to social media, somebody can copy some of the message and go and post and say, come on. This message has blessed me. I mean, this is exactly what they are talking about. He said, your faith towards God. You, you know, and, and you know what? We are getting to a point where now it will not just be our videos, our books, our resources, our commentaries, our Bibles. It will be miracles. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You will be raising the dead. You will be healing the sick. Miracles. A time is going to come. Eh? As for AFM people, everyone there can prophesy. Mandis Gezika Barasataya. Hey! Somebody say, there's one of their members say, I met him somewhere. The guys met a young guy. His leg was short. He stretched his hand. The short leg came out. I mean, I mean, that is what will be spoken very soon of our ministry. Are you, are you with me? Oh, I've gone home to sleep. So your faith is spoken all around. Hey. Verse 9. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we, what manner of entering in we had unto you. And know ye, and how ye turned to God from idols to serving the living God, the living and true God. Ah. He says we have evidences. And the people that your, your faith has spread abroad. Now, let me tell you something about the Thessalonians or the Thessalonians. When the gospel went to them, they started throwing away their gods. They started burning their gods. They started selling their properties and supporting the church. Are you with me? If somebody had a flat screen, because we are in the 21st century, that's the example I would give. The flat screen, they sold it. Somebody had all kinds of trousers and things that they have done some things there. Hey! Mini scares as short as this. Like this. When they burn, you see things. They started burning them. Are you following what I'm saying? The brothers that were doing autofistas, they started doing pimpinis and playing tied to church. Uh. And I said, ah, is it not the same brother that was doing autofistas? No, 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 no. Something is happening in this church. Ah! He said, we saw it. How you turn from idols unto the living and the true God. May our ministry cause men to turn from their wicked ways. Cause men to turn from idol worship. Cause men to change their ways. May there be transformations in the lives of men. When you go to many ministry, you find out that in a ministry, um, people only just receive one-time miracle or two-time miracle, and that is it. But I, I want to say it on this altar that in our ministry, this ministry is a transformologist. 
I mean to say that people that are part of this ministry, I mean their lives change like fake. Like fake. Like, I mean, a radical, in AFM, the change is a radical turnaround. It's not like, um, um, I mean, it's a, ra it's a radical turnaround. That's why when people come here, the devil doesn't want them to stay. Because he knows that they are going to experience a radical turnaround in a holistic life. I'm not saying you are just going to be healed and still, no. I mean a radical turnaround and a turnaround towards God. Because, that, listen, if, if people come to our ministry and come to our church and suddenly start owning cars and they still don't love God, we haven't done anything. We haven't done it. And that's why you, a lot of ministries have been. That's why some ministries find out they have crowds and, and all of those things. But the people don't love God. They are just there because prophet is prophesying. They are getting cars. They are getting money. And they keep coming their numbers. But that's not a, a true transformation. The true transformation is that people that didn't give a damn about God now start thinking about God. They start loving God. Young, young people are serving God. They are fasting. Can you imagine that last year we fasted how many months? Like four months. Hey, we just didn't stop. We just fasted. Uh, young people like us, we are going to building. Young people like us, we are doing mighty things for God. Is it not, a, is it not something that we should celebrate God for? Oh, let's celebrate God. Let's celebrate God. Let's celebrate God. Yes. Yes. Come what may, God's church will be built. Come what may, lives will be transformed. And he said, you turn your ways from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead. Even Jesus Christ. Which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, this verse 10 has the gospel in it. When he says Jesus Christ is coming again. One of the ingredients that marked the church of God of the first century was their awaiting eagerness of Christ's return. If I've ever struggled with anything in my life, it's, it's about living. Personally, I've always wanted to die and go to heaven. Mona Mobreo. True discipleship must make people love the Lord so much that they can't wait to see him. Hey, Revelation says that there shall be no more curse. Are you not struggling on it? Are you not struggling? You're always thinking about money. Where your money is going down. Heart attack is coming. A whole lot of issues. I mean... I mean, this life is not that good. And Christians don't want to expect their, the, the coming of their Christ. They don't want to die. Me, I'm not part of those people that when a preacher is going old, and let's remember him in prayer. Remember who in prayers. I'm not one of those people. Christo ni be wua, in German wu, masa. Especially when you Especially when some of our fathers are going old, they say, remember him like we're unbunking. I, I said, waste out. This man has served God all this way. Me, if I'm about to die, don't pray for me. Oh. Don't pray. Hey. 
As I'm standing right now, my stomach is, is, is aching me. Can you imagine? Huh? My stomach is doing me some way. Do you think I'll be having stomach ache in heaven? Philip, come in here. Philip, come in here. Philip, come in here. Ah, Master, you think I'm not sure? I'm not sure. Ah, I mean it. We should face the facts that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is for our good. And I told you that these were suffering Christians. These were persecuting Christians. Now Paul is beginning the main reason why he's writing the book. He says that, and to wait for his son from heaven, that we must understand that we should never lose touch of Christ's coming. Listen, the day we lose touch of Christ's coming is the time we start fornicating. It's the time we start watching pornography. It's the time we start backbiting and lying. It's the time we start murdering people. It's the time we start becoming bitter. But when we have it, that Christ can come tomorrow. That Christ will come. I listen to what I'm saying. We are always in expectancy. We are always in expectancy of when he's coming. I listen to what. If he's going to come 1,000 years, Krampona, at least having the expectancy that Christ is going to come any moment from now, Gives me a certain sense that one of, if I'm about to die, I have a hope that, one, that whatever happens, I'm going to be caught up with my Lord in heaven. And he says, you guys, you are waiting patiently. You remember that he talked about their hope in Christ. And I say, you are waiting for his son from heaven. Whom he raised from the dead. I talked I talk to you about that Christianity. We don't have Christianity without the raising of the dead. And signs, wonders, and miracles are what proves that Christ was raised from the dead. Okay? And I told you that the gospel is this, that we are all sinners. Christ came to live. Christ came to die. Christ rose from the dead for our sins. And this is what Paul is talking about. That he raised him from the dead. Even Jesus Christ, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Listen. The main purpose of salvation, of Christ's coming, is to deliver us from wrath. Listen, there's wrath coming. That, the Bible says that God is going to cast our sinners into hell. And they will burn with unquenchable fire forever. And they will be separated from the benevolence of God. They will be separated from the love of God. The main reason the gospel exists is to take God's people from wrath. And that's why he talked about you who are beloved of God, your election. You are elected to escape the wrath of God that is to come. The wrath of God is against all ungodliness. It's against all licentiousness. It's against all lasciviousness. It's against murder. It's against sinners. And that is why we gave our lives to Christ. So that on that day, we will stand and say, Lord Jesus, I was a sinner. I couldn't save myself. And I believed in you to save me. Have you ever traveled to a place where you needed protocol before? Or have you ever been to a place you went for a job or something and somebody say, said that, don't worry, I'll go there, I'll prepare the way so that as soon as you come, everything will be ready for you. 
How many of you have experienced that before, one way or the other in your life? That you were going somewhere, at least somebody made arrangements for you. I with me. When you got there, how did it go? It went smoothly, is it not? You may not know the workplace that much. You may not even know the protocols there. You don't know whether you have to go through a line or whatever. The moment you get there, you say, That is exactly what will happen on that day. Those of us who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have believed in his death, we have believed in his resurrection, we have believed in him and have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. We, those ones, are going to receive protocol into heaven. That's what Jesus said in my, in my father's house. There are many mansions there. If it be not so, I would have told you that I go prepare a place for you. Listen, Christ is not going to prepare a place for us. So that scripture doesn't say, I go to prepare a place for you. He says, in my father's house, there are many mansions there. If it were not so, I would have said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Do you understand? What does it mean? It means that in my father's house, there are many mansions. That's why I didn't say I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's what it means. <laughs> but a lot of times, yeah. What a preacher. <laughs> uh, don't you love the word of God? I mean to say that he has prepared the pre- he has gone to do what? He has already done protocol in heaven before he came on earth. Hey, let's look at Revelation chapter, chapter, we are down in the chapter 1. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11. Do you love commentary on Thessalonians? This is how Christianity should have been, oh. It's not every day you come and we are receiving, jump, jump, and we are insulting your, your face like you are not serious with Christianity, all those things. We should be able to come in. We are opening scriptures, opening Bible. Why did, he say, did I say we are going to? Okay, verse 11. I memorized this scripture when I was in GHS, um, GHS 2. I memorized the whole of this place and I memorized the chapter 21 as well. And I saw a great white throne. Are you with me? And him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Me, the heaven and the earth disappeared. It means that at that time, we, we that, that's the final judgment he's talking about here. Do you see that? He said there was no old heaven. There was no earth. And what happened? And there was found no place for what? For them. And I saw the dead, the small, and the great stand before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Listen, most of the when people interpret this scripture, they don't understand what the scripture is saying. Okay, let's read it then I'll interpret. Are you reading? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Now death and hell, you know when people die, they go to hell. Okay, they go to the land of the dead. Death and hell is Hades, Shuel, the land of the dead. So when people die, they go to the land of the dead. You can also call it hell, okay? Uh-huh. But after Christ resurrected from the dead, when people die, they go to heaven. But previously, when people die, they go to the land of the dead. And it was two compartments. One was burning with fire and another one was like, an, like a city 
but it wasn't too big. And that's what people used to call paradise. Aha, uh-huh. but the paradise was inside hell. The hell had two places, okay? Shoel and then paradise. But when Christ rose from the dead, he took the paradise off. So now when everyone dies, he goes to hell and there's no paradise in heaven. In hell. The paradise is now on, on, in heaven. Okay, so he said, and the dead and hell delivered up the dead which were in them because they were ready for judgment, okay? And they will judge every man according to their works. Now, in the, in the previous, this, this verse 13 is telling us what happened in verse 12, okay? And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second day, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, notice that it tells us that books were opened and another book was opened, which was the book of what? Life. And he said, the dead were judged according to the works that they had done, which were written in the books. Notice it there. Do you see it? Written, verse 12. Written in the books. He says that, and there were books, and there was the book of life. Two books. Two categories of books. The book of life, and there were books. Are you following me? The books are what we judge people according to their works. Are you following? Then when they judge people according to their works, they finish say finally, the final thing. Maybe in quotes, let me just say it for you to understand. They say, if your name is not here, go to hell. That's what happened. No? <laughs> if your name, he didn't say that if you did this, you didn't do this. The, the Bible doesn't teach that. That our do's and don'ts is what will take us to heaven. He says, your name must be written in a book. It is when your name is written in that book that you go to heaven. If your name is not in the book of life, and the book of life is Christ. Okay? The book of life is what? It's Christ. And the wrath that I told you about in Thessalonians 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, is what is happening here. He said, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the, the lake of fire which is the second death. This is the wrath that is to come. That anyone whose name is not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. That's why Hebrews says, it is appointed unto man to die once. When he dies, this judgment begins. A man has only one opportunity to live. And while he's alive, if he loses Christ, he has lost everything. Now you understand from Revelation, that's why Paul is telling them that, Charlie, you guys are doing well. You are enduring affliction in the face of opposition. You are enduring in your Christian walk. You are persevering in your faith. Even while the world is mocking at you and they are hating at you, and you must understand that Christ has delivered us from the wrath to come. And I told you that's the protocol. The protocol is what? Christ. And that's what is in the verse 15. Our name has been written in the book of life. So on that day when we get there, we pamparara, there we begin. My hand is in my pocket. I mean, that's why I do guy guy. And that's why that guy who was laughing at you and mocking you and saying, my Jimmy Ford, then they, are, they will be cast into the lake of fire. That's where your guy guy will come. My hand in my pocket. Then I may talk to Peter. I say, Peter, don't you have some 
malt around. Let me drink some more. Say, hey, Master Hyde, no more so. Oh, sir. I'm going to drink beer with me. And I'm going to pick with a pepeke, Mamma. Say, when you pick a yellow, Master, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Oh, sir. Now, we need to change our horse. Ah, he ratte. And I got this way. I mean, that's the time because you, mu- you must picture the thing. He says, the reason we go to heaven is because our names are in the book of life. And that is what is in 1 Thessalonians 1.10. That Christ has delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's clap for Christ. Let's clap for Christ. Christianity is the only hope of the world. Without Christ, all will go to hell. People who are dead wish that they could come back and live and repent and accept Christ. And some who are alive are saying nonsense because they are blind. Amen. Hmm. I feel like continuing. But my time is almost up. I wish I could finish the, the chapter 2. Maybe we should continue, right? If you go to some of the places, the preacher can preach. Uh, preach uh, let me tell you a story. I'll finish it, then we go. Amen. So I'll finish telling the story. Verse chapter 2. So let's start from verse chapter 11 because you see um, verse, verse 10. You know, when Paul was writing, there were, no, um, there were no divisions. But the people who, some people put the numbers there so that we can be able to reference it easy. And for context sake, when we talk about context, now, we usually have, we have in context, we have pretext, Text, post-text. Are you with me? You write it. Right. In context. Context. Put a column. We have pre-text. I mean text like SMS text. Let me write. We have pre-text. Text and post-text. Pre-text. Text. And post test. The test is not coming. My tongue is tired. Okay? Most of the times you will misinterpret a text of scripture if you don't have the pretext. 
Is because sometimes the pretext, the, the pretext is the text, the scripture that comes before that particular scripture. Are you following what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. Like somebody will say, oh, the Bible says that uh, um, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, Charlie, if you joke, you lose your salvation or be serious. Or be serious. Then we go and look at the post text. Then the post text says that for it is God who works in you both to do, to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he's telling you, work it out. But the working out, crown, it is God who gives you grace to work it out. So it is not of yourself. Do you see that? Uh-huh. So the pretext is the text that comes before the, the, the main text you are talking about. So, for instance, our text is chapter 2, verse 1, okay? Where is the pretext? Pretext is chapter, chapter 1, verse... The whole chapter 1 is even our pretext. Uh-huh. But sometimes for convenience, we can say the chap- verse 10 of the chapter 1. So, because we are teaching... Sometimes, the reason some of you, when you read the Bible, you get some place, you confuse, you don't even remember where you are. It's because... You stop. When you stop and you continue, you won't understand. So you have to go back again and read from somewhere so that you can understand. Like when you are reading um, a novel or you are reading a, a prose, okay, like a storybook, what do you do? Sometimes you can read that and get to a place and forget. What do you do? You go back to the previous paragraph so that you can come, so that you understand what he's trying to say. Or when you are watching a movie, what do you do? You rewind. Don't you rewind? You rewind. Then you come back. Is that not what you do? So that is the same thing. It's called context. So in context, we have pretext, text, and post-text. All right. So in our pretext, it says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. So he's saying that, you know what? Christ came to deliver us for yourselves. And for yourselves, you must know that when we came into your midst to preach the gospel, it was not in vain. Why? Because Christ, through our gospel, you, t- you said he talked about gospel on top. Do you remember? You remember he talked about gospel, verse 5. That's co- context. So he said that thing that we came to do, you know, is the reason why Christ delivered you from the wrath to come. And for that matter, Coming to you was not what? In vain. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated. And ye know at Philippi, we were bold in, in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Now, you know the story of Paul and Silas at Philippi. It was in Philippi that they were beaten and were thrown into prison, Acts chapter 16. And that's what Paul is referring to them here, that, you know what? We were beaten. We were what? We were beaten. It was actually after Philippi that they went to um, Thessalonica in Acts 17. Okay, because Acts 16, Acts 17, they are in Thessalonica. Or they are in the... Yeah, Thessalonica. They went to the Thessalonians. He's telling them, Charlie, he's telling them that. Where are we? I can't find it. Yes. It was not in vain. For even after that, we had suffered and were shamefully entreated as ye know are of. As you, you see, as you people are aware that when we went to Philippi, we were beaten. And still, we came to you. 
You mean they were beaten and put in jail? After they were put in jail, they left there and they went there. So they are saying that we were beaten, but we didn't give up. So he's telling them that if you are beaten, don't give up. If you are cast into prison, don't give up. Because that is exactly what was happening to them. They were throwing them in prison. They were some people. They were not buying their thing. Like if you are selling tomatoes, they say you're a Christian, you won't buy. Your tomatoes will get rotten unless it's bought by Christians. I mean, that was how serious it was. If that was happening today, they would say it's six and six. But I mean, those guys were experiencing six and six before us. <laughs> yes, if you were a Christian and you did anything, no one associated with you because you were outcast. You were dragged into prison. You were maltreated. You were beaten because you were a Christian. And Paul is saying, you know what? We were beaten and thrown into prison. The next day we came and preached to you. And you are aware of it. Amen. Then said verse 3, for our exhortation was not of deceit. We didn't come to deceive you, nor all of uncleanliness. Of what? Uncleanliness. Hey, where am I? Nor in guile. The, the word uncleanliness. I, okay, okay, also, sometimes you can find out that a, an author is using synonyms. Okay? Are you following me? In this sense, Paul is using synonyms. Guile is the same as deceit. It's also the same as unclean. The uncleanness is using there is deceit. We didn't come to deceive you. That's all Paul is saying here. We didn't come what? We didn't come to deceive. When we came to preach, we didn't come to deceive you. It's called guile mean craftiness. Um, the dictionary says craftiness, um, cunningness, shrewd tricks, gimmicks. Uh-huh, that's guile. And it's the same con- uh, the same. Context is using or the same thing he's using when he's using um, uncleanliness. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. So Paul is saying that, you know what? God gave us grace with the gospel. Listen, when you are given an opportunity to preach the gospel, don't see it as um, a right. It is a privilege. It is a privilege to be chosen to preach God's word. Because even when Nanado instructs you to do something for you, you find like you get some fans, don't you? Even when me, I tell you to do something, you get fans, don't you? The same thing, Paul is telling them that. Where is it? I can't find it. Verse 4. But we were allowed of God to be put in trust. It means God trusted us with the gospel. And we know this in the great commission that when Christ rose, he said, all power is given out, therefore go. Are you with me? Acts 1 8. He says, And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in uh, Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Samaria, Judea is still in Israel. Samaria is in the uttermost part. He started from Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem. The next place is Judea, the next place is Samaria. He said, You keep spreading. And he said, We're entrusted with the gospel. I have been entrusted with the gospel, is the reason I'm here. Because today I was very tired. But I'm still here because I've been entrusted with the gospel. We have all been entrusted with the gospel. All believers have been entrusted with the gospel. We have been entrusted to go and preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God will try our heart. He said, we didn't come to deceive you. We didn't come because we wanted your money. I follow what I'm saying because in these days, people are telling us, ah, we are here to deceive you. And I'm telling you, church, that me, I'm not deceiving you. I'm not using you to make money. If I want to make money, I have a lot of ways to make money. As a matter of fact, I was given an opportunity to make money, and I said I don't want it. Wasn't I? But I know somebody say, oh, he knows that in ministry you get more money than if he's, he's, 
He's teaching. That's why he quit. Who does that? No, who does that? If it's more money I, w- I want, I would have decided to still go and be teaching and be coming. And be coming to preach. Don't you think so? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> now, now that I've quit, I don't have pension. Do you understand? I don't have pension. And me, I can't take a loan. Unless I use my house or some property to take a loan. Even though I'm saying I won't, I, I won't I'm not saying, I mean that I don't have a guarantee of anything. You understand what I mean? Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> so I, we are not deceiving you by telling you, oh no. Or the, or the, but that is what the world is telling us. They are telling us, oh, the pastors are deceiving you. They are deceiving you for your money. How much do you give when you come to church? <laughs> no, I dare anyone listening to this audio. When was the last time you gave 1,000 cities? You have been taking salary of 1,005. When was the last time you gave the 500 CDs on your salary? You have been giving two CDs and five CDs in church. You go and sit on social media and tell them pastors are deceiving us for money. Every day they're asking for money, money. And they say, eh, the early church. The early church, the, the early church, they told them to go and sell their lands. When a guy sold the land and kept some, they cursed him and he died. It means that if we are to go by, I told you some time ago that if we are to go by the true portrait of what the apostle left for us, we should be cursing church members in church for giving small amounts of money. And I should have used prophetic insight to see that you have 500 cities in your account. And you are coming to give two cities in church. I should have cursed you. And they tell her, eh, the early church was, eh, they were not material, they were selling houses. Go and read your Bible. They were selling houses. You have no sold a house. thunder. I mean, you haven't sold even your shoe to support kingdom. The kingdom. But you sit on social media and make noise and say, eh, every day. They are talking about money. We should go back to the early church. The early church wasn't like that. When Christianity came to Africa, the Christianity that came to Africa was poor people. That's why all of us, me, I, I, was, I was born in church. We grew up in church. The church we had was a poor church. That is not the right kind of... Because the people who brought the Christianity to us, I mean, the wise that were sent, the missionaries that were sent, they were rich people. That's why they were able to pay their transport to come here. People don't use common sense a little bit when they are thinking. Don't you think so? Go to Europe and go and see church buildings that have been built. Some of their church buildings are as old as 400 years. That's how come they were able to send missionaries. Can you imagine that just here... Um, 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 Doma, we are struggling to get rent because the rent we are getting 200 cities, 150, we can't pay. We are unable to pay. And because of that, we are still not be able to send someone to Doma. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yes. And Paul is saying that we are not here to deceive you. We mean what we are saying. We mean what we are saying. For about a month since um, the, the first first fruit, the first fruit we had about six hundred cities or something, and I forgotten what we used that money for. I think we, we we did something with it, and after we haven't had any money again. Uh, but just recently, I took some money and I gave all the thousand cities we used to pay for. It's my own personal money. I mean, my own money. The thousand I gave to, it's my money. I should take it from my guys. I'm not true. It's my money. And I brought 600 to you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? We are not deceiving you. 
Don't let critics. That's why I started by telling you there are a lot of critics out there that are mocking Christianity. And Paul is telling Charlie, we didn't come to deceive you. If you have been persecuted, endure. Because we didn't come to deceive you. Because we didn't come to please you. That's why there are some people who have come here and they left because they wanted me to come and please them. Oh yeah, some people come to church and they feel like pastors should be able to, to make us happy and treat us some kind of way, you know. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to, to train you. I'm here to train you. I follow what I'm saying. The church exists for discipleship, not pleasing men. You want to please men? Hmm. Verse 5. For neither at time use we flattery words. As you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Over here, Paul is still defending because some people in, in, in Thessalonica were telling that Paul and Co. Came, came to deceive you guys. And Paul is addressing actually, we didn't come to deceive you. And that is the whole, so you see the whole context here, he's talk, the same thing or they all repeat it. And it's, you can see that he's trying to give Give them a solid point that, Charlie, we didn't come to deceive you. We didn't use flattery ways. God is my witness. Nor of men sought we glory. Neither you. We didn't seek glory from you. We didn't seek glory for any man. Nor yet of others. When we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you. Even as a nurse cherished her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also of our own souls because you were dear unto us. This evening I was sad. When I was coming to church. Even when I was coming. When I was coming, when I was even walking. Before I even came, when I was in the house, I was sad because I, I've been observing something for a while now. And I didn't take a car. I was walking. I walked from the house to, to church. And, you know, this is some of the things we're saying. Is, hey, me, me, I told you I'm not a superhuman. I'm also like a you. The reason a lot of people are easily deceived by false prophets and pastors is because these people want superhumans. You understand? Pastor who doesn't lie. Pastor who has never been poor before. Pastor who has never been broke before. Pastor who is always performing miracles every day, raising the dead, but we have never seen one before. Have you seen those kind of lies? You get it? At the moment you meet a man of God that is speaking the truth, they feel like, I we don't want this kind of person. We want one who lie to us so that he can sp- I mean, when I was coming, I was, I was a little bit sad. And I was just walking and a lot of things were going through my mind. And I, 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 I realized that I have poured out too much of my life into people who have forgotten me. I mean it. I mean, they've forgotten me. And sometimes it's painful. And that's what Paul is talking about. He said, I didn't really preach to you. You know, my duty was, is just, if I'm a man of God, my duty should just be I've preached to you, my way. But 
I'm that kind of pastor that I do more than preach to you the gospel. And Paul is saying that I preached the gospel to you and I poured my heart. I have sacrificed a lot to you. He said, we didn't even become burdens some on you as apostles because as an apostle, even me like this as a prophet, I should have been calling you and asking you for money and asking you to buy me the latest phone. You know, you know, you know that I can ask me. I mean, me, AFM, I should be using the latest of all things. I mean, if I'm, if I'm to live like some prophets live their lives, some young ministers live their lives, because I can do it. I can select five people and let them buy me the latest iPhone, the latest Samsung, 6,000 CDs. They can do it. But I have not burdened them. I have not burdened the people I, I shepherd. I have not burdened the people that I pastor. But others do it. And at least if you have worked with one or two men of God, you know that I am telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, we poured our hearts to you. We poured our hearts to you. If I tell you the kind of things that we have done for people as normal human beings, I'm not saying just as man of God. I mean, as a man of God, we have preached to them all right. We have been there for them. We have done a lot of things for them beyond what we should have done. And how they've pretended like they don't know us. And, and I, was, I was sad because I felt like maybe I'm just wasting my time or something. We all come to that point where we feel like maybe we should just, just, just get tired and go. Even this year I was there, I said, ah, or maybe I should just. In fact, around 3 p.m. I thought of something. I said, maybe I should just send the, all the AFM family people. I tell them, you know, all of you, you are sacked. Go and find a, a new father. I've been thinking about it for a while because I've realized that the people that are there, they've been trained. And that's one thing about tra- training means You find out that you train the people, they grow and suddenly they, they, they also grow horns or something. I don't know how to say it. And now they, they, don't, they seem not to care again. I thought of it this evening. I felt like, Maybe I should just dissolve the group and sack everyone and then tell them those, of, those who want to, me to father them and mentor them. That's why I don't teach on the page again. First, who are the people that are old on the page? Like you, you, you. I used to teach. I mean, I would teach and teach and coach and teach. I stopped. That, that was the time I was doing mentorship. Now I don't do it because I realized that Day in, day out, we're just sacrificing for a lot of ungrateful people. And I'm thinking of what to do to do with them. Either to just close down them and just sack all of them and then tell them, if you want to meet your father, you bring a formal application letter. And before you bring a formal application letter, you should have read 50 books before you come. I may do it. This evening, I was preparing cooking my rice and washing utensils. And I was thinking of, in fact, it came to my mind, I felt like I should just tell them this group is dissolved. Everyone should go and look for his father. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Everyone should go and look for his father. Then the ones that feel like they want me to be their father, they should come to me one-on-one and tell me why I should be their father. So that if I know that, you know, if, so that if I know that I have five people, I know that these are the people that when Christ comes, I will be responsible for them. I don't have that idea of having hundreds of people, 500 people that are just making noise around me, papa, 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 
with their uh, now they have grown horns and when you you say something they don't even give a damn they don't care and all of that they should be sacked or what do you think Tell you what you're saying. And this even when I was coming, I was thinking about it because personally I've poured out my heart. And ministry is all about betrayals and and people who forget. People who forget. I'm trying to get examples, but I'm not getting examples of things I've done for people because personally, when I do good for people, I forget. I just delete it from my head so that I don't become bitter. I listen to me. But if I have not known anything, I know that I am a good man. I'm a good man. I'm a good preacher. And I deserve more than honor. I deserve double honor. It's like in the book of Malachi where we are still doing a commentary. I've not digressed though. I'm talking about where Paul is saying, we have poured my... My soul, I poured my soul into you. I poured my soul into you. That is saying you are giving animals to me that some of them are blind, some of them are lame. Mudi emwa apatine mami afeba for ya mami. Eh? Philip, are you tired? <laughs> One of my mentors, he can teach in his church for 10 hours. 10 hours. Yeah, Pastor Chris Delvan. 10 hours. Like, you have a midweek, say, because that's our 10 hours. Maybe my doubt me down what you have 10 hours. Are you with me? And Paul is saying that we didn't only give you the gospel. We poured out our souls. We gave you our souls. For somebody to tell you that I gave you my soul means that there's nothing they haven't given you. There's nothing. And over the years, I've kept on telling people that if you leave me, you will regret and they think I'm lying. And I've seen it. And I'm not saying that, you know, I've told you even, I think last week or something, I was telling people, these days I saw for Papa Abu. I saw for Papa Abu, even though you're a fake baby, but I saw for Papa Abu. So if you go, you'll find others, but you will certainly regret. And soon and very soon, some people will begin to see that and it marvels me that the people, that those 5,000 downloads, a lot of them are not my sons and daughters. They are strangers, outsiders. I wrote a book, published the book, gave the book to them. I mean, I gave the book to you. Huh? You came and bought the book. And I asked somebody, have you read it? He said, oh, I have not yet read it. After one week, oh, after one week, there's no single book of Reverend Solomon that I bought it and I didn't read it immediately. Within a day, I finished the book. and I, I mean, I finished the book. 
I can summarize it. I went to the, the prophetic book. I even taught it here. I was with him. I started, I summarized the book. I told him, he said, hey, I said, you are the first person to give me a review. I said, yes, I, I am a son. I didn't tell him that. But that is what it means that I am a student. I'm not one of those kids. That's why there are people who hang around Reverend and say, hey, Papa, Papa, may I don't do those things. I'm not one of those people. I don't need this. Pap- I don't need this. I don't need papering. Students don't need those things. Do you need that? When you go to class, do you need your, your lecturer's money or you need your lecturer's pampering? Do you need your lecturer's pampering? And you, do you want to sit in your lecturer's car or go to your lecturer's house? What do you need? His knowledge. And I have had students that sons and daughters and members that have realized that I preach, record. We, this sound card is 2,300 cities. Why did we buy it? So that we can record every single message. So that you, I'm not saying outsiders, can have it. Live, listen to it. Soak into it. Over and over again. I wrote a book. Very cheap. You say 20 cities. Yes, 20 cities. Very cheap. Even the people that came, they said, ah, we thought it was going to be maybe 40 cities or something. I saw the 20 cities. They bought it. They didn't read it. Hey, Philip, the way you are looking at me. I mean, they didn't read it. Okay, anyway, some of you read it anyway. But some didn't read it. Are you a student? Are you a true student? Are you a true student if you do that? You're not a true student. You are just popping me, poppy, poppy. Have, I, have you heard that message, poppy? Man, man, how many of you remember? Okay, you don't remember that message. I appreciate missing some people are daddy. I said, some, some of you, when you daddy, when you say daddy, daddy, I hear, I hear in my ears, poppy, poppy. I mean, poppy like Kramaimba. I hear it like poppy. When you say papa, I hear poppy, poppy, Kramaimba, dog, dog, dog. We've poured our hearts, we've poured our souls into you. We've poured our time into you. And that is what Paul is telling them, that I didn't only give you the gospel. I poured out my heart. We were good to you. We didn't take a dime from you for our personal gain. We didn't take anything from you. And we poured everything. We gave everything to you. Eh? Sometimes I've gone to laborious times to give books, post books. Who does that? I'm sharing books to you. I tell you, follow this man of God. I'm, I'm copying this. I'm posting here. I'm doing this. Hey! Maybe Yaketia or Heaven. I'm the teacher for Yaketia or Heaven. Verse 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day. Because we would not be chargeable. Unto any of you, we preach unto you the gospel. It's the same thing, still talking about it again. We didn't charge you. There's no one anywhere that will tell me that I stood before them and I charged them. I remember one time I was going to preach for a school, a tertiary institution, and it was a Pentecost associate. They said, Man of God, how much will you charge? I said, Charge. What do you mean? You charge. 
I said, do they charge? Oh yeah, it was the first time I, I had, I mean, it was just two years, three years ago that I heard that, past, I know of song ministers who charge, but I didn't know preachers also charge. Like, I know that when you go to meet the Jusco guys, they charge you to pay before you see them and all those things, but I didn't know that when a preacher, you invite a preacher, he will tell you, you know what, I'll take 4,000 before I come to preach. I never knew it. But, uh, yeah. And they asked, and I said, why? He said, oh, yes, the ones we have invited, every one of them, they say that they will take this. And I said, me, I don't, just anything, just whatever you think is do. And I tell when I think they gave me 200 cities. Maybe it's because I didn't charge, so they gave me 200. But if I charge, they'd have given me 1,000 more. And that place, I preached and I prophesied. They gave me 200 cities. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. He said, I didn't charge you. Hey! And he said, you are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behave ourselves among you that believe. And I have always told everyone, there is no lady in this world that will stand anywhere and say that me, I've ever kissed her before. Ruth, lift your head. I mean, there's no lady in the world. Or maybe you know one, or you. <laughs> I mean it. I'm not, I'm not saying I mean it. That, you say, oh, Prophet Michael some time ago came and paid me a visit, tried to press my buttons and tried to. And that is exactly what Paul is saying. He said, we are, blame, we are blameless. On blame, you, we have no fault towards those that believe. None of you will say that I duped you for your money. None of you will say that I slept with your daughter. None of you will say that. And I, I began by telling you that churches are, now they are criticizing churches and all the pastors are the same. And you see that I'm arriving at somewhere. And that's exactly what Paul is telling them. That we are without fault. We are holy. Hey, Paul is just boasting before them all. And that's exactly what he's doing. People say, eh, pastors, I, I'm saying that, I'm saying that there's no lady, they don't, they all these people that say, huh, all the young ministers, they are sleeping with their girls. I said that, I'm saying it on record because it's recording. Let them bring that lady. Are you, are, you listening to, are you listening to what I'm saying? Or oh, that guy that said me, I duped him and took his money or duped him. Or oh, I tried to use prophecy to coerce him and do whatever. And I deceived him. And that's what Paul said. He said, Paul, he gave three things. So he said, holily. I've never seen that word before, if not here. Holily. <laughs> I mean, he said, you know what? I was righteous. I was just, and I was unblameable, unblameably. You can't blame us. You can't find fault with us. We are righteous. We are holy. And this is a message that we young ministers must take, that we must be blameless. I'm tired of all these things, and this morning, have you heard of prophet, this one? Do you know that he is impregnated this sister and we find that it is true? Have you heard of Reverend this? Do you know that he's sleeping one of his members? Have you heard of this? I, I know hearing them. And you know that some of them, they are true. I say that we must go by the system of the Bible. The preacher must be blameless. Be blameless. Be blameless. Be blameless. Be blameless. Don't be a deceiver. 
Don't be a scammer. A Christian who is a scammer. A preacher who is a scammer. I've heard times that some preachers went to buy gadgets and things from people and they never paid. You have scammed them. That's why I don't take things on credit because I don't want to be blamed. I don't, that's how I do my, me, 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 they are me for the mentor. I bought this ring today. I bought it today. And it's quite expensive. I bought it today. I walked into the shop. I, I saw it online. I walked into the, the shop. And I said, I want it. I bought it. And I bought another I bought a watch. And when I finished buying it, I bought another one for my wife. And when I finished, I spent quite an amount of money there. I mean to say that uh, I don't buy things that I can't afford. That's why there are some things here you see that they are not there. I don't want to go and say, oh, give it to me. I'll bring you the rest next month. I, I'm not sure of next month. It, it, things may happen. I can't pay. And I don't want somebody to go and start and say, hey, you know, you know, do you know Prophet Micah is even owing me how much? 4000 That's why I don't take. I, we should be content. Sometimes we should learn how to hold on to the little we have. If God blesses us and we can buy more, let's buy more. If we can't buy, let's stay to what we have. Are you following what I'm saying? And this is so common among believers. It's so common among Christians that Christians are owing everywhere. They have scammed one person or the other. What Jin Isika? I remember you were chatting with me about one, one, one. Yes. And this is somebody who has a PhD and even started a fellowship and a church. Why was scamming a Jin Isika? Was scamming a Jin Isika? <laughs> as you know how we exalted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. So Paul is, they say, uh, over here and some of our canning in the same thing. He's just talking about we didn't deceive you. We didn't dupe you. We were good to you. And he said we were doing that because we saw you as our children. That you would walk worthy of God who had called you unto his kingdom and glory. He said, the reason why we were good to you, we lived a righteous life. Usually, when the people you are following are living a certain standard, it enforces you to live up to a certain standard. The people also in the ministry also live like that. For instance, if you if you are working with a preacher who every time he's with he's, he's, he's playing with the daughters, he's taking pictures. How many times did I even take with picture with the daughters? Are you with me? But you see, don't you see it with young ministers? It's a dangerous thing. Because all the children will also grow up and they are playing with the sister, and that's how they start sleeping with them. Are you with me? We are supposed to treat sisters and brothers. You are supposed to treat your sister as a holy vessel. Don't don't even touch. If you are touching his handshake. Eh? So from today, I've banned hugs in this church. I mean, I've banned what? I've banned hugs. No hugs again. Handshake. Full stop. No hugs. Let every AFM die here. I have banned male-female hugs. Even if you have seen a person for 10 years, give them handshake. Apostle Paul said, I think it was in the same Thessalonians, he said, don't touch. He said, don't touch. Are you with me? Because, because, because Paul is saying, because of this, you people were also able to live up to a certain standard. And that standard was because we live to that standard. And preachers and leaders and pastors and prophets must have a standard. 
You can't be eating everywhere. You are walking the roadside, you are holding both throat and cocoa is a media. I eat everything. But yeah, I don't care. You are wearing slippers. You are walking. Ah, master, you must have a standard. You dress anyhow. He said, oh, we, dear, we want to live a simple life. Me, I'm simple, but I don't dress anyhow. I'm simple, but I don't eat anyhow. You don't just see me sit anywhere and eat. Last Sunday or last Saturday, we closed from lectures and we were coming. We went to a restaurant and the people were so mad. The whole place was crying. I said, Edgar, we can't eat here. There are plenty of people here. We are, we are too important to come and eat here. And we left. We ordered the food. I gave Edgar his own. I gave, and then I took mine with my wife and we came home. We didn't eat there. You must have a standard. And Paul is saying, you had a standard because we had a standard. What does it mean? If you have a pastor who has a prayer life, you have a prayer life. If you have a leader, because you remember he said you followed us and you followed the Lord. So you see that the thing is linked up. Everything is linked up. Are you, are you with me? Are you following what I'm saying? Yes. He said you were able to walk worthy. You were able to walk worthy. You were able to walk worthy of God. You were able to walk holy. You were able to have a certain standard. Because we did it. You saw it. You practiced it. You did it. For this cause, also thank we God without ceasing. Because when we received the word of God, which he heard of us, he received it. Not, uh, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe it. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which are in Judea, which in, Ju- in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So the Jews persecuted the Jews, and these guys to their own countrymen are persecuting them. And you notice that in the verse 13, he's thanking God again. So it's like he's repeating what he already said in the beginning. Who both killed, he's talking about the people who persecuted the Jews, and he said, these people who persecuted the Jews, they both killed the Lord Jesus Christ. And their own prophets. And have persecuted us. And they, and they please not God. And are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles. That they might be saved. To fill up their sins all way. For the wrath is come upon them. To the uttermost. He said these people have forbidden us. These people have beaten us. They have stopped us from preaching the gospel. He said, the wrath of God is at the uttermost towards them. Listen, in hell, in hell eh, people who persecuted churches will have more punishment than normal sinners. Yes. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in hearts. He said, we're taken from you for a short time, but we are with you in the heart." Endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hindered us. Now, the Satan that hindered us here is people beat us and they have arrested us and they are fighting us and we are running for our lives. And the people that are doing this, who is doing it behind them? Satan. So who is criticizing the church today? Satan. Who is saying they are deceiving you for your money? Satan. Who is saying pastors are lying to you? Satan. Who is saying that you are wasting your time in church? Satan. But you know what? Jesus said, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So he goes on. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? He's saying that what? Christ is coming. And you guys, you will be there. For you are our glory and joy. Amen. Oh, you can clap better. Wow. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it powerful? So much from scripture. I'm just thinking about them. Paul has talked about wrath. He has talked about their faith. There are so many teams. He has talked about. He has talked about persecution. He has talked about how pastors should love their sheep. He has talked about the fact that they are in Christ. He has talked about the doctrine of election. And he said that, you know what? Since you are going to escape wrath, when Christ comes, you will be in his presence. We will enjoy his presence. And then he finally asks and says that for you are our glory and joy. When I see people become transformed by my messages, I feel like I've accomplished something. I don't find much joy in materialistic pursuits. A nice house, a good tablet, a nice phone, living in a nice apartment, having a beautiful wife. Those things are good. But if there's anything that should bring me joy, is to see people start testifying and say, man of God, my life has never been the same. And they will begin to sing the things I used to do. I do them no more. The things I used to do. I do them no more. The things I used to do. I do them no more. There is a great change since I met Christ. I want you to be on your feet. The things I used to do. I do them no more. The things I used to do, I do them no more. The things I used to do, I do them no more. There is a great change since I met Christ. There's a great change since I met Christ. There's a great change since I met Christ. Great change since I met Christ. Great change since I met Christ. There is a great change since I met Christ. Lift up your hands. Great change. Since I met Christ, there is a great change. Since I met Christ, there is a great change. Since I met Christ, 
the things I used to do. I do them no more. The things I used to say, I say them no more. The life I used to live, I live it no more. There is a great change since I met Christ. The things I used to do, I do them no more. Hey. The words I used to speak, I speak them no more. The things I used to do, I do them no more. There is a great change since I met Christ. Begin to speak in tongues, kill Alasai, Repinski Vasata. Thank you, Lord. Lelesanda Kabara si Vizikar. Lebrenda Kabambra 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 Kabai. Wait, Jesus. Le prendes cabarata sada. We want to pray, Lord, give us a heart to endure persecution, endure affliction. Grant us your grace. Begin to talk to God. Grant us grace to endure persecution. To endure storms, difficult days. Sandiko, Babandibai, Bambarai. Oh Lord, I stand before your throne in assurance of what you've done for me. Knowing that you died, you shed your blood for me. I've come to say thank you. Oh Lord, I stand in awe of you, in assurance of what you've done for me. Knowing that you shed your blood for me, I've come to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, knowing that you said your blood for me, I've come to say thank We give a glory in the name of Jesus, amen. Wow, clap your hands for Jesus.